welcome back to the No Walls podcast. This is a podcast about all things human rights and refugee law, including the people working within it and the clients we represent. And today's episode is centered around food. Now, this is a topic that's definitely close to my heart, and I know it's close to yours too as well, T, but it's perhaps closer to the hearts of our clients because food, particularly when you're in a country that isn't your country of origin, is a way for you to retain elements of your culture. We know that nostalgia is a massive, massive thing, and food inevitably provides you with those fond memories of, of your childhood, growing up, family members, whatever it may be. And that's why we, we wanted to we wanted to place emphasis on more of a celebratory element of, of our clients and their accounts, because we know that we've had a few episodes dealing with, with tragic events or, or legal concepts. And we wanted to provide our listeners with something that was ever so slightly more upbeat and ultimately happy than um, some of our other content. And this episode was not planned for release this week, but due to unforeseen events, such as the Ukraine episode, it just so happens that we're dropping this episode about food during Ramadan when we know a lot of you will be fasting. And having listened to this, all I can say is that if you are fasting, please listen to this after iftar, after your evening meal, because this episode made me hungry. All right, that's the disclaimer at the outset. Yeah, I think we were discussing this earlier and we thought, would it be a right time to drop an episode on food during Ramadan? But then we thought, actually, for those people who do observe Ramadan, it is a time where people and families and friends get together either every evening or through that month. And food is what brings them together. And, you know, like my mum's, she's away. She's she's with her brother out in America right now. And she sent me a really nice text about her brother and her family coming around, going around to each other's houses, all the cousins coming over for iftar, which is you know, when you break fast and all getting together. And I, I was like, oh, that's lovely. And I thought, actually, as you say, it's a great time. And some of the food discussed by our guests will no doubt be stuff that people will want to eat and want to make. And it was, you know, I don't know how, how you feel about it, but it was so nice listening to M, who I interview, because it was something that reminded me of how my folks looked at food and how they remembered you know, their home and all, all their family when they kind of made stuff. It's a lovely thing to talk about. And obviously, you and I both do like a bit of food. Yeah, yeah one of us more than the other, clearly. <laughs> Well, well, you've been going to Nando's a lot, haven't you? Because you're on a strict training regiment where you can only eat a certain amount of calories a day. That's it. Had to undo, had to undo the damage the lockdown caused. But I'm, I'm looking forward to this program ending so I can get a bit of flavour into my diet. But um, I can tell by the smoke in your face, bruv, you're trying to go somewhere else with this. So why don't you just get this over and done with? Well, I mean, we're not trying to advertise Nando's or we're not getting any free Nando's out of this. But no, just, this is the second episode that we mentioned them, you know, people are going to think we're sponsored. I know, maybe we should, we should, we should go to them. But no, it's just, I, I hear that you've gone to the one near work so often that, and you go alone, like you don't, there's no friends or. What's wrong with that? No, no one wants to go with you. Not and and they know you, you go table for one and, and then they just sit down and you sit you down and you just have your Nando's, do you? I don't, I don't even have to say table for one. They assume it's for one unless and until I come in there with a friend and then they look surprised. It is quite sad. Mm. But yeah, they know my name. They know what days I go in. They know what I order. Creature of habit, man. There's no shame in it. There's no shame in it. I eat by myself. I go to the cinema by myself. That's life for some of us, yeah? Well, hopefully these guests will inspire you to make some food yourself as opposed to just going for Nando's at lunch. No doubt. No doubt. Food is big, even for us as sort of diaspora communities. And, and both of us were born here, right? But food is a massive element in terms of how we retain our culture as well. It's huge for loads of families and, and children of migrants over here, let alone individuals who have had to leave their country, leave behind the memories of of what they grew up in and their home. That was that was one of the primary reasons we wanted to do this episode. So we we've uh, we approached three people who were Duncan Lewis clients, and throughout taking their instructions throughout the life of their case, it became very clear that food had a special place in their heart, and they and they had a real gift for it. So our first guest is Yusuf, who's going to be dealing with Afghan cuisine. And I don't want to drop any spoilers, but I have to mention one dish: this garbali pilau that he mentions at the outset is something that if you haven't tried, you have to try, because that's one of my favorite Afghan dishes too. T, the second guest is? A former client of mine who's now settled here. We're calling her M, and she's Sudanese. And she goes into some real detail about one of her favorite dishes that she was taught by her mum to make. It's like a lamb okra type dish, which just seems incredible. 
And our final guest goes by Chef Momo AZ. This is someone that Tofik and I had the pleasure of representing. And he's a professional chef now in the United Kingdom. And, and food doesn't just have a special place in his life and his upbringing, but also his father. It's, it's, a, it's a family tradition that passed down. And the emotion with which Mo speaks about it and his future endeavors is definitely something that you'll want to tune in for. So over to our first guest, Yusuf. Yusuf is a refugee from Afghanistan. He came to the UK alone at just 15 years old. And when he arrived, he spoke no English at all. And as you'll hear in the interview in a second, not only does he now speak fluent English, but he also has a, a bit of a London accent. He's very recently just turned 18, but he applied as a child refugee to bring his mum and siblings to the UK as their family had been separated. These applications are very, very rarely granted. But fortunately, the Home Office have just accepted the application. So shortly, his mum and siblings will be joining him in the UK. Yusuf, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you so much. Yeah, always. Yeah. I thought of you immediately when we were doing an episode about food, because I really remember you telling me about making Afghan food for your foster. Yeah. What was the dish that you made her again? Do you remember? It was qabuli uh, palau, isn't it? Qabuli palau is, is rice and raisin, carrots and meat, everything. And then you can cook it. It's the best rice ever, you know, to try. Yeah. Wow. Did you make it just yourself? Totally by yourself? Yeah, yeah I, I can do it. I, I tried. First, I watched it on YouTube. I said, let me watch it and then see how, it, how can I do it or not. But then I tried it. It was good. And I was trying it. Uh, I cooked it like twice now, and it was the best. Is that your favorite dish from Afghanistan? Uh, yeah, I love it. I love. It. I can eat it. I can eat the rice twenty four seven. You know. Really? <laughs> you yeah. Get sick of it ever? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I will. I will suggest you to try once Afghan food, and then you will never go back to any food. Yeah. Um. So that's amazing. You learned by YouTube because my next question was going to be, how did you learn? Yeah, YouTube, isn't it? YouTube, yeah. YouTube's so great for things like that. Yeah. Now everything you need is on YouTube. You can go and search. Everything is on YouTube, yeah. Did your mum used to make that dish for you when you were younger? Uh, oh, my days. <laughs> she used to cook the best rice. And then now I don't have no one here to cook for me. Then I said, let me learn it on YouTube. Then I learned it. But soon my family going to come and they cook. And then maybe I'm going to invite you as well if you want to come. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> That'd be lovely. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when the first time you made it in the UK? It was, I think, I was I was in my foster family house. And then I said, let me go, let me go and see how it comes, isn't it? And, and I said, yeah, if, if I do it wrong, next time I'll do it good, you know? And then I made it and my foster, my foster family tried it and I tried it. It was the best rice ever, like, ever for me, for me, for them as well. They, 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 they were like shocked, shocked as well, like. How I cooked it all. I'm sure. And yeah, it was the best one, yeah. And when you took that first bite, did it remind you of home? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I bet, because taste can bring back so many memories, can't it? Yeah, memories, yeah, memories come, yeah. Yeah, did it make you really miss your mum? Of course, because she used to make uh, food for us in Afghanistan. She used to do everything, you know? And if you do your, your cooking, your stuff here, Alone, no one is by your side. Always you remember your family, your country, everything. And you think about, oh, I wish my mom was here to cook this dish for me. And uh, Did you tell her that you made it? Did you ask her advice? Yeah, yeah, I told her. I told her that I said that I made it and then I sent I sent him a picture. I sent the guy a picture and then the, he, he showed my family and they were like happy as well yeah happy and then sad as well you know oh what why what did, what did your mom say was it that she wanted to be with you to make it with you yeah she was like unfortunately i'm not there to cook for you you know but well done you cooked by yourself like you done it yourself well done yeah but she was sad in the same time because she's not here. She can't cook for her son, you know? Yeah, yeah. But soon, soon I'm going to see her and then... I know, because it's so exciting because anyone who's listening won't know but that um, Yusuf's family reunion application has just been granted. 
So his mum and his siblings are going to be able to come to the UK and you'll actually be able to have her food again. How does that feel as a thought? Oh, my days, Anna. You see, first of all, you know, I, I say thank you to you because it was all your hard work as well, you know. And then I'm really happy, you know, I, when you told me that your family, the, the, the home office accepted, I was like shocked, you know, I couldn't talk, I couldn't say anything. And yeah, I was over the moon, you know. Yeah, I'm very happy. Do you think Do you think when your family come, the first thing you'll do is have a lovely big meal together? Oh, my days. <laughs> right away, yeah. That's an exciting thought, I bet. Yeah, I got, I got like too much uh, stuff to do with them, you know. I can't wait to see them, you know. How, how easy is it, Yusuf, to buy ingredients for Afghan food in London? It's, it's quite easy. It's quite easy because... Uh, Nowadays, you can find, you can go and find anything on the shop, like, like everywhere, everywhere. So they, they are Afghan, Afghan shops as well. You can go and easy ask. They, they are not like hard ingredients. There's raisin, carrot, meat. And rice, that's it. You don't need anything else. The meat in that dish, do you have to cook it for a very long period? No, 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 no. You have to, like, first you have to cut uh, onion and then you have to put onion and then cook it a little bit to get a bit red, you know, and then put the, what's it called, meat and then you have to cook it for a bit and then put water a bit to make uh, uh, make it soft, you know. And then you put raisin, carrots to make it a little bit. It's not sweet, but that raisin makes it like sweet, special, you know. And then you can you can you can leave the rice for ten minutes, uh, half an hour in hot water to get a bit soft, you know. And then put it on top of the uh, meat, raisin, and carrot. And then you can put it on and then leave it for. 20, 15 minutes and then your food is ready, you know. Oh, wow. So it's quite quick, actually, to make. Yeah, it's quite quick, but it looks hard, but it's quick. Yeah. And have you made it for any friends of yours before? Yeah, yeah, I made. I made for lots of friends, you know. They they, they, they love it, you know. Are they from Afghanistan? or Afghanistan, yeah, 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 yeah. Once I made this uh, rice, you know, I made it for like 20 people, you know, my friends, yeah. One of my friends asked me if I can do it. I said, I said, I will try it, innit? I don't know if I can do it, but I will try it. I tried it. Everyone used to love it. And then everyone was like, oh, nice one, nice one. Um, <laughs> when did you learn there? How did you learn this? Yeah. Wow, for 20 people. That's so difficult to make. That's a huge number of people. Yeah. But I made it, you know, I said, I said, go for it, you know, if it's not good, not good, you know. You're like the chef of your, your friendship group then, they're all relying on you to keep making nice food. Yeah, but, but I stopped making it, you know, because cause now I, I can't be asked to do it, you know, college and, and home, you're tired, you know, but... Yeah, I, but I know how to cook, like, like I, I know how to cook potato, I know everything. And have you found, like, it's brought a community together for you of people from Afghanistan in the UK? Yeah, 100%, 100%, yeah. Food is so, like, central to social interaction sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and you see, like, if I cook something and they love it and they will talk to me, they were like, oh, nice one, thank you very much. So they communicate with me and then friends, we, we become friends and stuff you know it's quite good yeah delight to have yeah and what what do you think of english food english food is fish and chips and i like i like i like to try fish and chips sometimes you know i like it yeah i think i think in london there's so many different people from different places that you can have food from everywhere yeah yeah 100%, 100%. what about the um food in pakistan yusuf is it similar to afghanistan because i know you lived in pakistan pakistan it's not similar. It's not similar. They like dal, and I like kabili palau. You know, it's big different. Dal is like I don't like dal to be honest. I don't like it. You okay. know, at all. Completely different. They 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 like spicy. We like it spicy as well, but not that spicy. They like the food spicy as much as they could. Yeah. When you cook Afghan food, do you put chili in it, or is there no chili? Uh, to be honest, I don't like chili, you know. Yeah, I don't, I, me, I don't like chili, but I put a little bit of chili because it gives your food a bit of taste, you know. Mm, yeah, it does. Yeah. So when your mum comes over, what do you think the first dish she'll make is? Kabuli pala. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the rice, and the rice, I told you. But you see, one day, yeah, if you want, 
I can invite invite you to to, to, oh, to my house, you know, to my family house. And oh, I so love that. Yeah. If you want, yeah. Very kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's brilliant. Thanks so much for telling me a bit about it. No, worries, no, it's always yeah. And maybe could you share the YouTube video as well? Is it in English? You can find it in English as well. Yeah, I'm gonna copy the the link and then send you, and you can watch it. It's nice, you know. I'm, uh, and one thing I'm I'm gonna tell you, Anna. Yeah, mm. once you try Afghan food, you know what? Go back. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, you know. Is it, everyone says their their food is nice, their their country food is nice. I I believe it, you know. But m- for me, my friends, yeah, my, my got English friends as well, like black friends, English friends ev- from everywhere. They try, they try once, they they love it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it sounds amazing. It really does. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll try and make it one day. Yeah. <laughs> After you said try, try it's free, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um. All right, Yusuf. Well, thanks so much. No worries. No worries. Thank you to you. Well. Thanks. Right. Bye. All right. Talk to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take care. Hi, Em. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me today. No, thank you so much for um, agreeing to speak to us. It's very exciting. Obviously, we've been um, we've known each other for uh, a few years now, and I know that you have always been a very good cook, and uh, you, that you enjoy cooking. And today, I'd like to talk to you a bit more about that. What I want to ask is what your favourite dish is to cook from Sudan, uh, and why you love it so much. And um, yeah, just tell me about that. Uh, my favorite uh, dish is okra, cooked uh, with uh, lamb or goat meat. I like it so much because it's uh, cooked by my mother. And every time when that dish is cooked, it's like a new celebration to the family. And my mother is a great cook. And she, she cooks with a lot of love, passion, and and serve the the dish with a lot of cheese uh, and nice work, something like that. And when that dish is served, you can hear all the children are gathering and the house is uh, uh, full of a lot of happiness. And the dish itself that is, uh, it has a lot of uh, memory of uh, the village I grew up in. It just remind me of my family uh, a lot of things. Ah, that's does sound amazing. Tell me about the dish a bit more in terms of what do you use to to, to what are the ingredients and you know what, what describe the, what the dish is. Um, the ingredients is local produced ingredients, so it's like fresh okra, and it's organic and local produced fresh uh, lamb or goat meat. Other ingredients is tomato sauce or fresh uh, tomato powder, salt, onion, garlic, some spices like chili and other spices that produce locally in Jabal Marra Mountain in South Darfur. So it's like a kind of thing that is, is being produced locally in, in that village and none of them is being imported, even the oil that is being local produced from. And you mentioned that it's got chili in it. So I'm Bengali. You might be familiar with kind of Bangla or Indian cooking. How does it rate in terms of how spicy it is? Is it pretty spicy? Is it is it more chili than that kind of food? Yeah, I was like nine out of ten, and like about uh, four. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's kind of concerning, but I I like chili food, so. When I try your food, I maybe I'll have to be ready. It's a lot of fire. <laughs> okay, well that sounds amazing. And tell me, so obviously you learned to cook from your mum, and you all those ingredients you mentioned are are kind of sort of from areas in Sudan. So how have you, uh, you know, since coming here to the UK, how have you managed to sort of replicate, and how do you manage to cook that favourite dish here? Well, I think I'm still struggling to find some ingredients, that exotic ingredients for my region or the village I grew up in. But uh, I do manage to get some fresh okra and uh, some ingredients uh, normally from uh, uh, Middle East and some sort like that. And the good meat that is a little bit difficult to find sometimes, but the lamb meat is not tested. 
mine or ours. So, but I, I, as a, a daughter of a great cook, so I knew how to play some ingredients to make it look nice. It doesn't taste the same, and some ingredients is missing, so that it will not be the same. But at least that's something that will happy and making me feel I'm eating my favorite dish and make me feel the peace of my, a lot of my mother and my family when that dish is being served. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it seems like you've, as because you've had to sort of change it or. Or, or slightly modify it. It's it's become a, a slightly different dish, and I feel the same when I mean I'm a very not a very good cook at all, right? Uh, but I try and kind of copy what my mum has cooked, and I ask her, "All right, do what do you do?" And she, she doesn't really give very good instructions. She just says, "Throw some of this, throw some of that," and it's very confusing. But you have managed to sort of figure out what your mum taught you in in, in that way, right? Yeah. My mom is she's the kind of cook that she don't use any scale or anything to measure the, yeah. the ingredients. And when I ask her how uh, you manage to, to do that, she will say that you just put your heart in it and cook with love. It will come as a as a great dish and everybody will like it and love it. And that's what I'm I'm using. Yeah, but uh, I sometimes use some uh, scale or some to just to just to modify the the dish that I wanted. But uh, my mother, she is uh, a kind of person that she cooks every single meal, and every single meal she cooks is a new celebration to the family. Wow! And you feel happiness, and the way that she serves that dish, and you feel uh, peace, and you feel that. You, you've been you've been served with different passion and pleasure to to be eating that food and a lot of things. So yeah. And I think she'd be very happy that you've carried on, at least tried to carry on her tradition in becoming a really good cook yourself, right? Yeah, I do. I do play. Uh, I do pray for her every single day. Um, may her soul rest in peace. So. She taught her something that is is unique. I've been passing her 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 ingredients, the way she cook. You mentioned this country because you've been here in the UK now for a few years. Tell me, like, uh, tell me a couple of things that you uh, like that you've you've only kind of come across once you you know since you've been in the UK. A couple of foods that um you you actually enjoy. Um, yeah, uh, when I came to the UK, I, I like uh, I did enjoy mushroom a lot. Ah. As I mentioned before, that uh, I'm a daughter of uh, a great cook, mother. I make some sauce, so I call it mushroom sauce. Ah. It's my own recipe. Yeah. And it's my own flavor that I I made. Uh, it's just few people they have tasted and. They admire it a lot, and I'm happy to pass it on to some of my uh, English colleagues. Okay, so it's a, a UK Darfur mushroom dish, is it? Yes. <laughs> is it a 9 out of 10 spice, though? Um, it, yeah, it's 10 out of <laughs> 10. out oh, God. Right, okay. I'm not sure your, your English friends will uh, appreciate it, but you never know. I am a kind of person that I can cook some dishes with spices, some without spices. Yeah. And some some is completely vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Know, I know how to modify and I know how to to play the ingredients and and make the dish look great. And so don't don't worry about spices. <laughs> and tell me when you came here or since you've been here, a food that you have tasted and you've thought, whoa, what is this? This is not good. This is very strange. I mean, tell me, tell me about that experience. Ah, uh, it's kind of food that is, is only one vegetable that is uh, Brussels sprouts. Right. <laughs> yeah, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, that, I think a lot of people will agree with you, to be honest. <laughs> so I say, ah, what kind of uh, <laughs> Have you not brought that into your um, 
Et au marché une dèche Ah, yeah, so, so, <coughs> now it's become my <laughs> Really, brilliant. <laughs> and I did play some, my mother said, and, and it's been tested by uh, one, uh, no, two English people, one American. Yeah. And they love it, and they asked me for the ingredients, and I said that, Of course, the next time when you visit me, then I will, I will show you how to cook it. That sounds great. Well, um, thank you. Uh, you've made me very hungry. Unfortunately, I've only had, I've only got eggs today for lunch. Do you have any advice for me that I can, I can make my very boring eggs slightly better? Um, yeah, I, I, the one advice that I can give you that I don't know if you can try my, my mother's dish, uh, okra. Yeah. Oh, or there is one here is available is uh, overgine. Yeah, yeah. And overgine is the favorite Sudanese dish. It's the favorite Sudanese cuisine that you can say that to be served in any celebration in any household meal. And uh, you can have it as a dip, and you can have it as a as a sauce, and you can have it as a sandwich. Ah, okay. Uh, for, and it's uh, really healthy for uh, anybody to try uh, any uh, person that vegetarian, vegan. I don't know how to to, to manage to cook today, but it's, uh, it's a very great thing that to have in your lunch today. And do you have any um, recommendations as to how I can make uh, my eggs taste better than what currently what they will be, which is quite boring? Your egg, yeah, if you wanted to uh, to make it something that tastes better, that you can make it. You mix it with some onion, uh, some tomatoes, some uh, garlic, and some uh, black pepper and salt. Then spray some uh, oil in the, the pan, and then when you mix them together, you put them in there, you cook them with little heat, and stir them through, and then you begin them. And okay. put some... You can put some, some butter in your dress and you want it for, to be at mine because it has to have some chili, have some fresh paper. Well, that sounds good. I think I can try that. Um, I'll certainly give it a go and I'll let you know how that goes. Um, thank you so much. What are you up to these days anyway? I mean, I've not spoken to you in a while. How's it all going? Thank you for asking and doing some CCSE English this year. And some IT course as well. Just uh, last year I passed my JCSE math and I've got grade 6 and some digital skill and level 2 functional in English. So I'm nearly there to find a job for my career, my dream career. Yeah, thank you for asking again. Well, listen, good luck with your studies and your cooking. Hopefully I'll I'll have some of your lamb okra nine out of ten chili soon and hopefully we'll see each other soon oh thank you very much have a nice <laughs> all right thank you thank you it is my pleasure to introduce to our listeners chef momo now momo and i met a few years ago through the unhcr uh, resettlement scheme and we haven't seen each other in a while because of the pandemic and in that time Momo has been doing some incredible work with food and um, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to him about it and I hope you are too. Momo, first of all, how are you and how's it been since you've uh, got to London? Hi, Shiroi. I'm good. Thank you. It's been uh, really nice. It's uh, Sadly, the pandemic happened a few months after I arrived. However, I've done so much in the last uh, year and still doing so much. So uh, lots of things I'm uh, excited about and looking forward to. Now, Momo, one of the things that first struck me when I met you is that I knew you liked eating food because you took me to a couple of restaurants and you were very vocal about the cuisine, but I had no idea that you were so into cooking food and that it was it was such a massive passion of yours. So where where does that love of food come from? It would be it would be great for our listeners to know a bit more about your culture, your food culture, what got you into cooking and and what sort of place it holds in your heart. I think I can track back the love of food that I have uh, to my parents. They're both 
uh, good in the kitchen and they used to uh, lots of dishes and I uh, I used to watch them and be with them a lot especially my mother I used to be with her in the kitchen and uh, just like help her or uh, keep her company and I think yeah from watching them it came it settled in my mind and I think I think it's it holds that connection with them uh, so maybe that's like the origin <laughs> of me loving food and cooking but the real reason happened when uh, my parents got divorced and when my uh, my father got married again and we moved in with him and we wanted to have more dishes from like uh, what my mother used to do and make so i at some point i had to teach myself how to make those dishes to give for give to my uh, siblings and from there i just fell in love with the craft and started experimenting and uh, learning and uh, reading more and uh, watching uh, videos and uh, shows from like all sources i started absorbing all this uh, uh, information and uh, knowledge and yeah it's been amazing <laughs> That that is incredible because I I assumed that the answer was going to be that cooking your your native cuisine reminds you of being back home, but I, I had no idea that it holds a place in your heart where it, where it reminds you of your mother and 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 the type of food that she used to make. So in terms of the origins of the cuisine that you make, what would you describe it as? What region of the world does it stem from? Tell me a bit more about a bit more about that and um and and the typical sort of ingredients and dishes that you you love using and you love making. So I. I think it's a mixture because my father is originally from Palestine and my mother is uh, from uh, Syria, from Damascus. And we used to live in Daraa, so uh, a different city. So all of these places, they have their own uh, like food and uh, recipes. Uh, like it might be similar, but still it's a different in, in its own way. And yeah, uh, what I do is a mixture of all these places. And of course, my own version. When I started learning, I it wasn't mostly just Middle Eastern cuisine. I used to watch like lots of shows from uh, abroad, and I wanted to try like uh, other things. So I I made lots of pasta, lasagna. I made uh, some other like American or French uh, dishes. So it wasn't mainly Middle Eastern. It was everything that interested me. And uh, yeah, I guess it's it was uh, it was a mixture. And still, but here in the UK, I think more and more I it's uh, becoming Middle Eastern. I can find like so much better uh, uh, foreign cuisine than that what I cook, <laughs> so that I can have here. That's that's interesting though. So in in terms of in terms of the um, the traditional re recipes and and your own touch, without giving away your secrets, because I know the best chefs in the world won't give away their secrets. But what would you say are those are those finishing touches that only you feel like you're adding to the food that you can't necessarily get outside at restaurants? Is there anything in particular? I think mostly flavors and like tiny things that might make a huge difference. And with that, I make it more like my own, and I make it uh, like I I make that connection with the dish rather than have it more like a general traditional thing. It's it becomes like uh, mine and my recipe and. Actually, I'm happy to share because since I joined my Grateful, I'm doing uh, classes. So I'm always happy to share my recipes and share my food and uh, happy to teach people how to cook. So tell me tell me a bit more about that, because I, I also didn't know that you, you'd started doing this with my Grateful until Anna told me. Um, it would be great for our listeners to know how you got into that and, and what, what brought you to the conclusion that you wanted to then sort of run run these classes and and what my grateful actually does because it's it's super interesting and i think it's um it's a really rewarding thing that you're doing as well i came across my grateful through uh, instagram i believe and i love the idea that it's uh, a way that you can share your culture you can share your traditions you can share uh, your uh, story with people uh, while teaching them uh, how to cook uh, something that is dear to you. And of course, uh, uh, at the beginning, when I first heard of my Grateful, uh, the application to be a part of it wasn't open. But then later, a few months later, I uh, came across the uh, application link and I immediately applied for it and became uh, I joined their training program, which is around three months. And it started uh, when the pandemic started. So it was a good thing to be working on during the first lockdown. Um, then I started my classes at the beginning of uh, 2021. How many people are you teaching at any given time? 
each class I would have uh, 15 uh, participants in uh, That's a full class That's a good number but as as windows but yeah. each our households but each household would have uh, more people like uh, would be a family of four or three or uh, a couple or like, it's different so it's more people inside but we would have like yeah 15 to 16 households and was that also for middle eastern cuisine that you were teaching ah uh, yes it was uh, syrian okay all right so in terms of in terms of syrian food what is if you had to choose i know it's going to be difficult but if you had to choose one dish that's your your favorite to make or to eat and and one that holds a special place in your heart what what would you say it is and why i can i can choose but i have a favorite and like uh, we have this not only one dish, but different dishes. But they have they have the same base, which is cooked yogurt. So the yogurt would be blended in a blender with uh, some thickener, an egg, or a like cornstarch, and then uh, cooked on a low heat to be like a bit thickened. And that would be the base for different uh, dishes that are served uh, with rice and. You can add to that, like the yogurt stew, I would say, with nuts too. What would you call it? What's the actual name? Um, shakriya. Okay, the basic, okay. the basic one is shakriya. Uh, so it's the yogurt stew served with rice and it's cooked with uh, lamb or chicken. And from there, people have their own versions and they like different recipes, and we have different dishes as well. So look, you came, you came to London. I know, I know about how you got involved with my grateful, but one of the things I stumbled upon was your Instagram page, right? And and the Chef Momo Instagram page. So what made you decide that you wanted to come up with the actual sort of professional identity and, and make the, and have a real go at this and make it make it a thing? Because I think it's incredible. Like some of the stuff you've got out there looks super professional. What what made you decide you wanted to take that extra step? I think it started with the, the first few classes I had. Like I had the the classes but then I I didn't have a place where people can reach me out and like follow on my journey and uh, my dishes and things like to be connected with. Like have, having my email <laughs> sent to people wasn't an option. So yeah, yeah. I had to get like, uh, it was the like the only option to have an Instagram account, uh, like a food Instagram account. So I worked on it a bit and then I started uh, asking people to follow the that account when I finished the class. And like most of my uh, followers are people who attended my classes actually. And with with a lot of the stuff that you do, You've said that a lot of the dishes that hold a special place in your heart are traditional. Now, I, my parents come from, well, my, my mother and my grandmother anyway come from India. And I know that there are only certain shops that they go to to get ingredients that they consider to be kind of authentic when they want to make some proper traditional home-cooked stuff. In London, do you have any difficulty getting those ingredients so that your food tastes exactly how you want it to? And if you don't have difficulty, where, where do you recommend going to get the best ingredients for Middle Eastern cuisine? What are your go-to spots? Like first, I feel lucky because I have two uh, local shops that have like like a wide range of uh, products, and they usually bring like it's not it's products that are uh, manufactured in Lebanon or uh, Palestine or in Syria, so it's all very like uh, authentic, and it's it's actually some of some of the products uh, are uh, stuff that I used to use in Syria, so I like it's very easy to find Arabic products here and. Yeah, as I said, I, I'm very lucky to have two local shops very close to me. I like I go to all the time. I think uh, now uh, like Middle Eastern shops, that's Iranian uh, or um, Arabic or Turkish, like they all have the same range of products, and it's not that hard to find those products. And even if you find difficulty uh, finding a product or, or something, it's always available online, and you can get it uh, very easily. The best place. I would say like uh, Shepherd's Bush, it has uh, a lot of shops. And recently, uh, one of uh, Shepherd's Bush <laughs> shops uh, opened a branch in uh, Kensington. So it, you would ha now you have a central place where you can go and buy medicine products. Green Valley is there as well. And uh, yeah, it's very like available <laughs> everywhere. Shepherd's Bush is in Shepherd's Bush Market, or is there a particular shop in Shepherd's um, Bush that, that you would go to? Streets, but yeah, there are many. I don't want to be biased, but there are many <laughs> shops. Okay, okay, okay. Well, for anyone who's listening that does want to have a shot at making some Middle Eastern cuisine, you now you now know where to go. We've given a bit of free advertising for Shepherd's Bush <laughs> and those stores there as well. One one of the things you touched on earlier was that 
there are a lot of a lot of different types of cuisine in London, right? There are, mm. it's a, it's a relatively multicultural city, and that might be why you don't have difficulty getting the ingredients you need because we have such a large, wonderful immigrant population that there are shops catering to everyone because there are sections of the population that want to make that food. Is there anything that you've tried since you came to London? This could go one of two ways. Is there anything that you've tried since you came to London that you hadn't tried before that you that you really liked or that you hadn't tried before and you just think is really weird and you don't understand why people in London enjoy eating it so much? I will get so much hate for this, but... <laughs> don't worry, be as honest as you want. I don't understand fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it uh, from everywhere like when i'm at the beach i tried it i tried it when like uh, in a fancy restaurants i tried it everywhere and i just um it's not appealing to me i and every time i get it i'm like i'm excited i'm gonna try it it's going to be nice and uh, whenever i go to like these uh coastal areas i ask the locals like what's what is the best uh fish and chips uh place and they would recommend something and then i would go and then i'm disappointed so <laughs> but uh, i've tried so many other things that I uh, really love and I haven't tried before right. and like like mostly uh, Asian food like I I didn't try uh, Asian food not all but some and uh, now I'm opening opening up to uh, new cuisines and new things and um, I'm finding it very interesting when you say Asian food because if, I know in in England anyway when people refer to Asian tend to refer to people from the subcontinent like India Pakistan Bangladesh and so forth but I know in other countries when people say Asian they're referring to countries like China and so yes. forth so, right okay <laughs> exactly. so in terms of in terms of in terms of those dishes what 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 do you think it is about those dishes that you like is it is it a similar ingredient base or flavor to to what you're used to or is it because it's something that's totally different that's opened up your palate in a way that hadn't been hadn't been opened up before. Uh, the second one, it's definitely because it's completely different and it op it opened up my palate and it's something. Uh, yeah, I I think as I said from a young age, I was very experimental with flavors and I'm uh, like I I'm always interested in trying new things. But now I th I came to the conclusion that I. Uh, I was a bit of a fussy eater <laughs> when I was young <laughs> because now I'm I like there are so many things I used to uh dislike when I was a kid but now I'm like I'm re I really appreciate and I uh I like so <laughs> yeah I think I think we've all been there where there are a number of things we didn't use to like previously but as we grew older we realized that and started appreciating them one thing one thing that I've I'm really curious about is mo moving to any country in 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 any set of circumstances is is daunting right and coming coming to London and sort of trying to integrate in a city like London, I can imagine can be quite difficult. Would you say that your love of food and taking part in these classes has helped you sort of meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise met before and it's helped you sort of feel feel a bit more integrated in terms of London? Or or would you say that that, that had a very small part to play in, in your in your overall feeling of London now being home? Uh, it definitely helped a lot. I think uh, meeting people through uh, the love of, of food is amazing and uh, it has makes these special connections and for me like meeting uh, even chefs in my grateful uh, during the courses like I made so many friends and organizations I worked with uh, all for food <laughs> and business I met so many people and uh, so many people, uh, like many of them, I, ca I call friends now and we are in uh, contact and it's, it definitely helps a lot. Even people who are working with My Grateful or this type of uh, organizations and charities or people who are volunteering with them, like it's for me, they're the right people for me. <laughs> so Momo, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of this place or, or or been to this place but there's there's a place called imad syrian kitchen in in central london and i went there recently one the food was incredible and i'd heard a lot about it before but it was in fact the story of the individual that started it that got a lot of people interested in and i think created a buzz now imad himself uh was a refugee and does it does or is a refugee and does a lot of work with asylum seekers and, and has ultimately built up this wonderful brand in london right so to what to what extent does seeing things like that give you an element of encouragement? And have you felt as though the fact that you are a refugee in the United Kingdom is something that helps you get support or, has, or is it something that's, that's held you back? Which way, which way has it gone for you? So first, yeah, I, I know Imad's kitchen. I, uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to visit it yet once I, I was there, but it was closed. <laughs> I definitely want to try and 
I actually follow him on Instagram and I'm really uh, impressed with his story and uh, like what he accomplished so far. And actually these, you asked about these stories, if they inspire me and definitely they, they do. Apart from Imad, there is also uh, Razan who started the uh, Yorkshire Dama Cheese. So when I first came across uh, Razan's story, I was very uh, impressed and it, it gave me faith that if she can do it, I can do it. And it, I think being a refugee here is there are always places and people who can help. So when you find those people who can uh, take your vision, take your ideas, take your uh, dreams even, and put them on the move, on action to start working on those. I am so grateful being in London because there are so many opportunities. There are so many people willing to help and wanting to help. And I think that's actually a big advantage for me being a refugee and people who support me and choose to follow me. They actually are interested in, in me personally, in my story, in my uh, background. There was actually as uh, an ad in the tube a couple of months ago. Uh, it said, you are your own MVP. And I believe that. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I love that, the, the you are your own MVP line. It's, um, it's something that resonates. I'm, I'm sure that you're not the only person who's come to the United Kingdom and has a vision um, in terms of wanting to start up a business that, that has a special place in their heart, right? It may not be food. It could be something else. It could be music. It could be anything. Some part of tradition, heritage, culture that, that you never get rid of, regardless of what country you go to, right? It's a part of you. What would your advice be to people in that situation who do come here and do have that vision, but don't necessarily know where to start or, or are feeling nervous about putting, putting themselves out there? What, what would, how did you, what gave you the courage to, to start that when you came here so soon? And what advice would you give those people? Honestly, like I, for me, I had the vision and I wanted, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I'm not yet doing what I wanted to do, but I knew that this is what I want to do. This what are the things that I need to do to start that journey? And I just looked around. I found these organizations that help. And everything is easy with, with internet in our hands 24-7. And you can ask people around. You can uh, reach for help from different places. And it's, it's never that hard to find. You just need to have the courage, the trust in yourself to pursue your dreams What's next in terms of Chef Momo? What's your what's your vision? What do you want to do with it? And is there anything we can do to help support the brand? I mean, it would be one of the biggest honors in the world if in a few years' time I'm I'm going to a restaurant run by Momo or I'm having food at a stall that's been set up by you. Where do you want this to go? Um, so during the last year, I've dabbed into so many things. I've done so many trainings, uh, courses about business and I like for me my like the biggest vision is to have big brand that has lots of sub brands underneath last year I've tried so many of those things together so I've experimented with uh, the cheese I experimented with uh, catering I did lots of events and I'm still doing lots of events I've done the classes I've done so much I did some uh, like uh, market tools and now um <clears throat> My plan is to focus on one at a time and then go from there. So now uh, my focus would be to, uh, with the cheese, to have something uh, set up and then move from there. But hopefully one day it will be all together in one place. I had no idea you were studying business as well to try and, to try and bring the, the food element of this to life. And I wish you all the success in the world. You said you're going to start, start with the cheese. What, what's the vision for that? Because I know a lot of our listeners will be thinking, well, how much can you do with cheese, right? So what, what is it that you're planning on doing with it? So my father used to have uh, like a tiny cheese factory. He started uh, making cheese with like a partner. When the, uh, the war started in Syria, we had to close. And I lost my father when I was in Turkey before coming to the UK. And after losing my father, I had this idea uh, to... Uh, start my own cheese making business to have that connection with my father and also to have the connection with my uh, vet background. So yeah, when I came here, I did a course with uh, TURN, who are an organization that help uh, refugees to start their own business. Yeah, since then, I'm, I've been working on uh, the recipe developments and the product de developments. So my cheese is very similar to halloumi. I call it halloumi Syrian cousin. <laughs> 
because it's similar but yet a bit different and it's very versatile you can use it in so many things so i want to do the cheese with different flavors and yeah just experiment with it it's so striking and that's the wonderful thing about food right it makes you talk about things through a lens that, that you otherwise wouldn't have spoken about them because we've spoken for hours at length before about a number of things right but i had no idea that the reason you initially even fell in love with food was because you wanted to taste food that reminded you of what your mother made. And now your first business idea, having come to another country and studied business, where you could have been distracted by a number of other things and a number of other routes to make money, is to do something that pays homage to, to your father and what he did before you had to before you had to close that business down as a result of the war. That honestly is, um, now what I, I, as I say, I wish you every success in the world. Where can our listeners find you in terms of social media so they can keep up to date with whatever you're doing and tell us tell us a bit more about if you you said you did a few stalls and a few events if you've got anything coming up i imagine this episode will probably be going out in a few weeks time but if you've got anything coming up then let us know and we'll probably we can share it on our duncan lewis twitter account as well and see if we can get you some get you some more guests um thank you sure i really appreciate that <laughs> people can find me on my uh, social media and my instagram is uh, chef momo iz and uh, momo's dairy for my cheese business, which uh, hopefully <laughs> will be running soon. So the events I said before, I talked about before, are more like private events. Oh, okay, things. okay. Yeah. Into the big time already with yes. the private <laughs> events. Yeah, all right, I see you. So uh, yeah, I've done uh, some weddings, some uh, book launches, and uh, some birthday celebrations, some private dinners. It's lots of different events. Look, you heard him here, all right? That's at Chef Momo AZ and Momo's Dairy. If you want to follow the dairy products, watch this space. I have, I have full faith that he's going to get to where he wants to be. And not just saying it because he's in the room. If you can give your money to a startup business, this guy's business is the one to do it with because he's one of the most benevolent, egalitarian, sweet, insightful people you'll ever meet. So please do give him all the support you can through social media. And most importantly, if you do know anywhere where he can get some decent fish and chips, do let him know. All right. Momo, if there's anything else you want to say to our listeners, do let me know. If not, we can end this here. Uh, thank you, Shirai. Thank you for having me. It was really uh, nice to see you again and nice talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks time. 